Bidzy Small Business Society number 83. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. I'm Rob Beresov. We talk to entrepreneurs and small business owners about what it takes to succeed as a small business owner. Connect with Bidzy Small Business Society at bidzy.com and grow your business. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers post projects for free in any of over 100 categories, including all types of home renovation, landscaping, cleaning services, photography, and many, many more. Now, if you're a business, Bidzy.com is a great way to find new customers because you are automatically notified each time a customer posts a project in your subscribed categories. So for example, let's say you own a roofing company and a customer posts a project in our roofing category. You are automatically notified via email or text and you can submit a bid at bidzy.com or use our internal chat system to introduce yourself to the customer and give them reasons why they should use you to complete their project. Monthly subscriptions start at $14.99. That's $14.99 per month for unlimited access to new customers and unlimited bidding at bidzy.com. Email rob at bidzy.com for more details or start your 30-day free trial now at bidzy.com. Welcome to another episode of Bidzy's Small Business Society. Today, I am happy to be joined by the outspoken Dr. Patrick Gentempo. Patrick is the founder of Action Potential Holdings, which is a values-based holding company that invests in, incubates, and develops companies that align with those values. Patrick is also part of the Screen Actors Guild, and he quite fittingly uh, separates his journey into three acts. We'll get into more of the finer details of his journey, his very interesting journey, but first, welcome Dr. Patrick Gentempo. Can you first tell us more about yourself, then about what it is that you do? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Um, and uh, <laughs> it shouldn't be a tough question, you know, what do you do, um, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I could be generic and say uh, uh, I'm pretty much a serial entrepreneur. You know that um, is I'm the CEO of a values-based uh, holding company. Uh, we have now it's just escalated in the last month or so, but we probably have about ten different uh, holdings in, in projects that are in play right now. Uh, interesting. I, where the heck did you find that I was a uh, you know a member of uh, the Screen Actors Guild? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think I put that. In. You did some research. But, I did uh, some it, research. I found it, man. Yep. <laughs> it's it, that you had to dig deep, man. That's so. That then that, that is true. Although uh, I uh, you know I I, I haven't uh, had to pull out that card in a, a few decades. But <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> uh, the, the 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 quick story behind that is that I, I worked um, in print and, and in TV commercials uh, when I was working my way through school. At least that was a part of what I did. I waited tables and I. I um, Ended up getting some jobs uh, in, in print media and, and on uh, TV, and uh, so when I when you start doing TV commercials, and then I ended up in like some small movies or whatever, uh, the you have to become they you become what they call a must join, where where uh, when you work a certain amount, you, you have to join the union to continue to work. So I got my SAG card, which is something I actually it's very coveted, and I uh, yeah I'm, I'm happy <laughs> to be a card carrying member, but uh, I just. Something I never talk about. I don't think I put it in my bio, and how you came up with it uh, is very impressive. 
It's out there, man, and we found it. So let's get into Act One, uh, Patrick. How did you get your start with entrepreneurship? Well, my my first, you know, what I call Act One in my my career, uh, you know, when I got out of school was I I went to school uh, to become a chiropractor and did graduate and got into chiropractic practice. So. Um, what most people maybe don't realize is that um, you know when you become you know some kind of a professional, if you're if you're a uh, a lawyer and you're going into solo practice, if you're an accountant going into solo practice, if you're a chiropractor going into solo practice, um, you have a professional license uh, which gives you certain privileges to be able to trade uh, you know uh, with whatever expertise you have, and you uh, you know you're going into a business, so you're starting a business, which means you know everything from A to Z, you know uh, business plan, put it together, you know leases, negotiating space, hiring employees, setting up your your infrastructure, your operations, your customer service, you know all the bearing aspects of a business that are you know typical. So some of you say, oh, you're a chiropractor. We understand you're if you're if you're any kind of a professional going into a solo practice, you are. Um, an entrepreneur. So my first step in the entrepreneurial world was uh, a chiropractic practice. And once I had been in practice for a few years, um, you know, so I was young at this point, I was in my mid-20s or so, maybe 26, 27, um, I started with a a partner to develop technology uh, that would help me better assess what I was doing. Like, Like almost all great products and great entrepreneurial stories, uh, it started with you know somebody having a you know a, a, a dilemma that they're trying to solve you know within their own life and uh, the the out the uh, you know what comes from that is the fact that you create something that other people can benefit from too which right. is what ideally right yeah. yeah and and that's what happened so I I didn't start out maybe saying hey let's commercialize this thing on a world stage we we started out saying you know I felt like I was selling a product I wasn't sure I was delivering in my practice. Namely, improved health through improved performance of the nervous system. That was a byproduct of the adjustments I was giving as a chiropractor. So, what happened is, I you know, I said it's subjective. You know, the the there was no quantification of it, and I'm I'm somebody who likes to measure what I do. Uh, so uh, I ended up developing this technology, uh, like I said, with a, another doctor, Christopher Kent, and uh, we ended up getting some patents on it. Uh, I was using it in my practice successfully. We started developing applications, indications, protocols, normative data. We started publishing on it. And then within a short period of time, I found myself in business because then the demand started coming in for it. So I, uh, I didn't have a technology background, but I hired engineers. I hired programmers. Uh, you know, uh, as many entrepreneurs, I was self-funded. So I put the first deal together. Uh, you know, which was a win-then-play type of a scenario where I collected the money and then went and built the product. Uh, so I made sure there was a market before I started spending a lot of time and money on it. But uh, we we were able to 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 play it that way and. You know, from there, uh, I ended up in uh, 1991. I sold my practice to go full time into this business, which, uh, over a period of you know, two, 20 years or more, we we had uh, built it into uh, about 9,000 chiropractors on six continents using the technology, and we we also expanded into other things, uh, you know, business training programs and you know, uh, boot camps and and uh, many other types of uh, things that we offered the profession. Uh, I sold that business uh, almost five years ago. I track that now because my non-competes up in uh, you know at the end of that five years. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm doing anything, but I just uh, <laughs> I just know that the five-year mark is a milestone. Uh, but uh, so when I sold that business, it was a tough decision. I really was at a crossroad, and I had to decide: 
is this what I'm going to want to do for the next 20 years? Because if so, you know, the business is ready for a complete overhaul, revamp and, you know, uh, kind of update, upgrade everything about it, its vision, where it's going, what its impact is going to be, its mission statement, et cetera. Uh, all things I'm very mindful of. And, uh, and you know, I was going to redouble my my efforts in it. So at that, by that time, I pretty much was playing the role of chairman. I had a CEO hired in. I had a COO hired in. I had a good CFO in place. So um, I, I didn't really need to show up that much. But nonetheless, um, uh, I just had to decide where am I going to place my energy now. So I had, uh, you know, I had just made the decision, which was not an easy one, to say that it's time for a third act. I had some other things I wanted to go work on, a, a change in lifestyle I wanted to entertain. So uh, I sold the business um, and started what, you know, I refer to now as Act Three of my career, which is the Action Potential Holdings Company. Um, and I've been, you know, and I thought, oh, this will be fun. You know, I don't really want to operate anymore uh, like a CEO, but you know, I'll I'll uh, get involved in ventures where I have operating partners in each of the ventures. We'll hold equity in a lot of holdings. We'll incubate some things, et cetera. Uh, but uh, I find myself working harder now than I have in a long time. <laughs> are you more of a silent partner in a lot of these ventures, or are you hands-on to some degree? Well, silent is probably not one descriptor one would use for me. Uh, so <laughs> I, I would say that I am a active uh, partner, but I, I like to play more of a board and advisory position. You know, in most of them, I'm, I'm in a funding position also. Uh, so I'm looking for s partners that uh, that will basically get up and live the venture day to day as an operator. But I'm actively involved. I mean, with every one of my ventures, I have you know weekly calls you know to talk about what's going on with it, give advice, direction, et cetera, and um, and add value where I can. So um, so I I, uh, I don't particularly operate. Although sometimes when we're incubating new ventures. Um, I will do this. I'm really good at starting companies. Uh, so I, uh, I will like kind of put together the initial team, put together the initial product development plan and, and get something from zero to uh, in the marketplace and generating revenue. And then I like to hand it off at that point. Sure. So really using that experience and adding that value. Now you talked about all of the aspects of putting that thing together, putting together your chiropractic practice. Mm -hmm. So did you do all of that yourself? Did you learn it all yourself? Or did you sort of outsource a lot of that stuff and focus really on what you were good at chiropractics? Well, no, I had to do it all myself. I, I was, you know, you know, if I look back at my, you know, 20, you know, three, 24 year old self, when I was doing this work fresh out of school, um, yeah, I probably had a certain amount of hubris or, or maybe even arrogance. Uh, I didn't know necessarily <laughs> yeah. what I didn't know. Because um, my, my first business you know, technically was in seventh grade French class when I used to buy bulk candy and sell it by the piece at a profit. And uh, yeah, so I, I just, that was, you know, that, that was my first entrepreneurial taste where I said, I like this. You know, uh, you know I, I saw a need in the class. Uh, I bring in candy and some kids wanted a piece of it and, 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 and you know, some pieces of what I brought. And I said, hmm, you know, I, you know, let me ride my bike to the store. I'll buy it in bulk and I'll sell it, you know, buy the piece. And and every day I had profit at the end of the day. So I liked it. So uh, I, I think my, my fate was cast at that point. So I basically got out of school. And for me, things were, were kind of common sense. Uh, you know, OK, well, I need to do this, this and this. 
and I'm very much a top-down guy where it's like I, I don't get stuck on you know every little detail that has to – every box that's got to be checked and I got to know what they are before I can start. I just start and then I kind of figure it out along the way. And I'm not saying that that's smart and I've certainly learned a lot you know since then. But no, it was like, okay, let me find some space. Okay, now like I, I need some equipment. Okay, uh, I guess I need uh, some kind of procedures and paperwork. You know, where can I get that stuff? And you know, so I, I, I just basically you know, logically approached it. And, uh, and, and I, like some people, I mean, I naturally, I think I have some natural inclination toward business sense. Um, and, uh, and I was able to utilize that to help me get started. But, you know, uh, every, you know, everybody would know with any experience that if I were to go back and have to do that again, I could do it 10 times more efficiently now and much better. But at that point, I, I was, there's nothing that was going to stop me and I was going to just get started and I was going to go figure out how to win. So, uh, you know, I just did it. I didn't, I don't have business school training. I probably don't do things, you know, in the way that they would teach you in MBA programs. Um, and in some respects, I think that was probably an asset for me. <laughs> Sure. So, Patrick, what are two or three of those actionable lessons that you could share with our listeners right now who may be struggling or may who may be aspiring to launch their own small business? Well, the, I think the advice I would give you know, a couple of things. Number one is there's got to be a great deal of purpose and passion behind what you're doing, uh, because even if there is that, it's still a marathon. It's still, you know, to, in many respects, with some exceptions, but in many respects, it's a, it's quite a battle to get through to, you know, to get to something that is successful in nature and sustainable in nature. Um, and I, I think that, uh, if you're trying to get into something because you think it's a good way to make money and it's a, it's a business that you're trying to start with your very little resources, it's a very, very low probability of success. And I've learned that, you know, uh, in multiple ways, not only for myself, the idea being that one of my business rules, and I, you know, I'd, I'd ask everybody to, to listen to this carefully, one of my business rules is to never take opportunity over value. Because um, when I do, you, you find yourself in trouble when you're saying, wow, this is a great opportunity, but you're, it's not really value aligned. You're not passionate about it. It's hard to sustain the energy and the interest it takes to, to get there. And, uh, and, and that's, I think, a, a big problem. And secondly, when you're, uh, you know, you can have a lot of passion, uh, but if, if there's contradictions in the way you're approaching things, which is why philosophy is so important, um, then uh, that usually ends up into some kind of a, a destructive dynamic. So uh, you know, Rick Sapio, who uh, I, I co-founded a business with, I have since sold my interest in called Business Finishing School, who uh, was a really great business mentor to me. Uh, you know, he says there's three lenses to look through uh, as an entrepreneur. Uh, simplicity, probability, and leverage. So in talking about those just briefly, simplicity means find the simplest way to get something done. Don't overcomplicate it, which a lot of people tend to do. Uh, Occam's razor, man. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly right. Uh, and, and at the same time, you know, I'll, I'll quote Einstein where he said, uh, you know, make things as simple as possible, but not simpler. Uh, there, there could be a such thing as dumbing it down too much or oversimplification. So it's a matter of saying, what does it take to really deliver whatever value you're trying to deliver on, on a great level and try the simplest way to do that, but don't detract from the value you have to create by oversimplification. Uh, so that's where like kind of law of integrated complexity comes in, you know, et cetera, where you, you take complex things, but you find a way to simplify, you know, iPhone's a perfect example. You would call that you would call that far side simplicity, meaning it's a very simple thing to use, but there is a very, very big 
complexity arc to go over to get to that simplification. So you have so many moving parts, yes. right, to get to that simplicity, of course. So so that's called, you know, far side simplicity versus near side simplicity. Uh, so you know, so I'm always working to try to get to, you know, what the, the old adage is, is simplicity on the far side of complexity. Uh, the, the second, you know, lens to look through is, uh, is probability. Every single decision you're going to make, you got to think to yourself, is this going to, does this give me a higher probability of success or a lower probability of success? And, uh, and that's really a, uh, a, you know, critical filter because a lot of times we're doing things, uh, you know, and I've done it myself, you know, uh, where you're, you're, you're being nepotistic in your hiring or you're, uh, and I, I run to people all the time, you know, Oh God, I, you know, I hired, I have this person who's worked in my company for a long time. They're, they're, they are uh, basically an impediment to the growth of the company. They're, they're poisoning the well. And, uh, and oh, you know, well, why, don't you have, why, why haven't you fired him? Oh, it's my brother-in-law. You know, so if you really are serious about your business and you want a high probability of success, you know, hi- hiring your brother-in-law who's out of work is probably not um, a, high, a, good, a good high probability decision that's going to work out. Uh, so, so I think that's important. And then, uh, and then leverage and leverage is getting things done through other people or through, you know, other means, you know, technologically. So, uh, I think the, one of the biggest challenges that I've faced and that all entrepreneurs face is that you get overstressed, overcommitted, um, you know, your quality of life sucks, your health, your health starts to get, you know, uh, affected, et cetera. So whenever you can start to literally adopt the, the theme of leverage into your life and try to understand what can you get done through other people, and or through uh, other means to add efficiency, uh, you you start to work on the business more rather than in the business. So again, those three lenses: simplicity. Let's simplify this stuff, guys. Probability. Look at the probability of success. What are you doing? Uh, what you're doing? Sorry, is it going to hinder or help? your probability of success, and leverage your networks. This is a big thing for us as small business owners, guys. So, Patrick, travel, family, significance. From what I can tell, these are most important to you. But tell us in your words, what are your rewards? Why is it so great to be an entrepreneur? Well, being an entrepreneur means being in control of your own destiny. Um, and And it's not for everybody. You know, some people... Uh, you know, I'm not saying that because it's right for me, it's right for anybody else. Uh, I think everybody has a, a basic nature. Uh, some of that is, you know, I think innately given. And I think some of that is uh, environmentally, you know, nurtured. Uh, so, uh, but nonetheless, you, you kind of arrive at a point in time when you're an adult that you have to start taking responsibility for your life and your outcomes. And, um, and at that point, you know, you start to learn your true nature. Some people are built to, you know, work in a company, work for a business or a company, and that's where they're going to thrive and do best. And some people are not built for it and, you know, are, are basically built to be entrepreneurial, to take risks, to innovate, um, to, uh, to, you know, create value in the world where none existed before. So I, I, you know, so I just, my bias is in that entrepreneurial world. And, you know, it is it, such a reflection of your own values, soul searching, understanding, you know, um, you know, really your philosophy. And, you know, I often talk about, you know, as a matter of fact, I'll be giving a, a, a talk at Freedom Fest this, uh, this summer, uh, entitled, uh, uh, unleashing the power of philosophy in business. 
uh, you know, one of my things, probably one of my unique things I speak about at least, is the critical importance of philosophy in your life and in your business as an entrepreneur. But every single person has a philosophy, whether they know it or not. Sure, and, whether they've put a voice to that or not, right? Exactly. And most people are unconscious to what their philosophy is. They haven't, they haven't really refined it in some kind of a conscious and rational way. So as Ayn Rand would say, they let it accumulate like a junk heap in their subconscious. And the reason, you know, my, what, I, what I contend, what I argue is that philosophy is the most practical tool a human being can hope to embrace to create success in life. And I'm not just talking about monetary success. I'm talking about if you want to be a successful parent, if you want to be a successful spouse, if you want to be successful anything, if your philosophy is going to determine whether or not, you know, or what, to what degree you will or won't be successful. And the reason is that one of the foundational philosophical premises that I live by, which comes from Ayn Rand, uh, is that when you have contradictions in your basic philosophical premises, the only possible result is destruction, and the amount of destruction is relative to the level of the contradiction. So if we don't have a framework, an algorithm to process our, our thinking and understanding and draw certain conclusions about ourselves, our businesses, and what we do, our behaviors, then the, you know, you're lowering your probability for successful outcomes. Or maybe, for example, you, you can, you've figured out how to create successful business as far as revenue and profit, but I know a lot of entrepreneurs who are just miserable. They're unhappy. They're burned out. They're unhealthy. They go through divorces. They, they've got all kinds of problems and challenges, all of which I've faced along the way, um, that, you know, that uh, you know, philosophy is a solution to. But if you don't know how to think about them, you don't know how to work through your philosophy to have your breakthroughs and get to these solutions, then you know, I, I say, unfortunately, the destiny is, is pretty negative in most of those circumstances. So I, I've been a big advocate and I travel around a lot speaking about the role of philosophy in business and life. So how do we find that philosophy? You know, is it a, it's a deep-seated sort of unconscious worldview that we need to give a voice to? How do we identify that within ourselves, Patrick? Well, the first thing, you know, to learn is what philosophy is and learn the branches of philosophy. Uh, and then, you know, what I, the way that I approach it and teach it is, you know, as how to take these branches and apply them, you know, focus them in, in varying areas of your life that you want to improve and uh, and then you know there's sort of this algorithm, uh, especially in these first three branches of philosophy, that ask very important questions. That once you answer them, they help you identify contradictions in 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 what you're doing. And you know, I'd love to tell you it's a, it's a five minute answer and you got it and everybody can go home and use it. You know, it, it really does. <laughs> You know, I, I have a, I'm not here to promote it, but I have a program called Philosophy Formula. Uh, the one for entrepreneurs is, is a, you know, a weekly program. It's a seven-week program, and that literally gives you the tools just to get started, and you use it for the rest of your life. You know, it's, it's a thinking tool that you use for the rest of your life. It, it's kind of like, um, you know, if you were to look at uh, going to school, they teach you what to think, and that's the way that you succeed in school, but they never teach you really how to think. So philosophy utilizes the, you know, the, the fact that you have the ability as a human being to, uh, to have abstract thinking, to think about the uh, ancestors that came before you, to think about the legacy you want to leave behind you, to think about the value you want to create in the world, to think about the values of your own company that you want to align with, to think about any number of things. And, but what so often happens is people adopt conclu conclusions without understanding any of the thinking that led them to the conclusions, and that's where contradictions start to come up. So it is a process. Now, for me, you know, because I live a fairly intellectual life, I, 
uh, you know, it's a process for me that, you know, I, I love the process, you know, for, and I think for most people, it's probably true. But unfortunately, you know, for everybody, as you're listening to this right now, all the people out there listening to this, when you hear the word philosophy, what does it conjure up in your mind, right? You're probably thinking about old guys in robes, you know, walking around in antiquity, <laughs> right? And, or, you know, or, you know, academics sitting, you know, in the, in the faculty, you know, uh, lunchroom, you know, talking about smoking stuff fine cigars and drinking, uh, drinking expensive scotch or something, right? Well, yeah, they probably can't afford it, but the, you know, <laughs> but the, you know, they, they, you know, the, the, you know, the bottom line is that whatever they're talking about on, on Sunday doesn't matter on Monday. And it's not true. It's the exact opposite. Nothing is more vital to your success. Nothing's more vital to your happiness. Nothing is more vital to your effectiveness than philosophy. And, uh, and, you know, it's never too late to learn it. Uh, and have a system of it. And I will admit there's a lot of people out there who, who maybe teach abstract courses in philosophy, but I'm, I'm not an academic philosopher. I never studied philosophy in school. I just said I need tools to help me as an entrepreneur, and philosophy was the tool I found that helped me more than anything else, which is why I go out there and teach it. So would you recommend in defining that philosophy and, uh, you know, recognizing that philosophy, but would you turn inward or would you get into groups? How big would those groups be if you're in groups? I think it's both. I think that, you know, there's a certain amount of, of, you know, if I look at how I create the culture around my programs, um, you know, it's both. Basically, you're, you're learning from individual modules where we're exploring, you know, different dimensions. Uh, you know, first understand philosophy and its branches and sort of this thing that I call the philosophy formula, which is sort of this algorithm for thinking. But now let's apply that to new customers. Let's apply that to staffing. Let's apply it to your finances. Let's apply it to all these different areas of your career. And, and people start to say, holy crap, I, you know, I, I didn't realize that I can go this deep into my thinking about these things. And rather than have them at tension with each other, I can align them. And you know, every your brand, your brand message, your brand, your brand image, it's all your philosophy being expressed, whether you know it or not. So the the idea is that when you can dig into these areas, so it starts with answer your question that you know, you learn it individually, but then I believe having a community of other people who are also learning it to interact with, which is what we create, uh, is a very uh, powerful experience for people. Uh, that you know that they start to now say, okay, I've got certain uh, ideas. Here's what my takeaways were, and here's how I'm applying them. So I say, wow, you know, well, I've struggled with this. You just helped me with that, and here's something I've been doing as a best practice based on this work that you might be able to benefit from. So I think it's I think it's uh, both. I think it's your, your your own introspection, and then once you learn some things, going out to a community of other people who are also in you know in the same frame of reference to share with, and uh, and then sharing with those people. So it's both. So important to have that community, that consultant, that coach, that mentor. So I want to talk about that more. You've got a full speaking schedule where you are inspiring those entrepreneurs, those small business owners who may be struggling on this often lonely and sometimes uncertain path of entrepreneurship. Patrick, why is it so important to have that coach, that consultant, that mentor to light the way? I think that all of us need uh, mentors. All of us need people that we can learn from. Uh, it, it's been a significant part of my growth and development over the years. And uh, I don't personally do like, you know, coaching, you know, for businesses. Uh, you know, I, I, I just never sold my time by the hour. Um, and, and I'm not against it. You know, other people doing it's just something I never want to do. I do teach programs. I do lecture. I do boot camps. I do, you know, a variety of things. 
uh, you know, to, to work with and help entrepreneurs. But um, but I, I don't I don't do the personal coaching side or have a you know a, a, a consulting company per se. Uh, so, uh, but why do I do what I do? Because uh, I'm passionate about it. Um, it's a part of my purpose in life. I've concluded about it. And uh, it's it's a strength of mine. Um, um, you know, one of my core strengths is, and I'm not trying to say this in, in, in an effort to brag. It's everybody's got strength. <laughs> I got weaknesses. I can go through. I can go through Atlas too, but something that I'm just world class at is getting up on a platform in front of crowds of people and and communicating ideas in a way that can inspire them to to upgrade their lives. So, you know, when when you look at any individual, if you say, well, geez, you know, I'm having a hard time discovering my purpose, I'll give you a real clue. What are you really good at? Because I think that there's some parallel between what you're really good at and what your purpose on this planet is. Uh, it's not likely that something, you know, that, you know, if you're, you know, a, a mediocre athlete, your purpose probably isn't to be, you know, an NBA basketball player. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, you, you kind of get a sense that what, what gifts you're given are uh, probably somewhat an indication of what your purpose on this planet is. So I look at saying, you know, if I, you know, I'm just so good at this that, you know, I would not, I don't feel like I'd be fulfilling my purpose if I didn't do it. And, and quite frankly, I enjoy it. So, you know, it's all the things line up that way. So that, that's why I go out, I travel all over the world uh, and I speak to, you know, varying audiences. Sometimes I'm doing uh, you know, smaller groups and, and, you know, going deep diving into workshops. Sometimes I'm in front of 8,000 people, you know, giving a keynote, you know, so it just varies. Patrick, I'm at the point in the show where I want to ask a few questions so that our listeners can learn a little bit more about your personal interests. Are you ready? I'm ready. What type of cell phone do you use? iPhone. Uh, and I have the six plus now. <laughs> what type of car do you drive? Well, I have a few. Uh, my fun car is my SL55 Mercedes. Uh, I've uh, I've moved to Park City, Utah recently, so now I've got this Mercedes, um, sort of this uh, small SUV called a GLA, which I love. I'm finding myself wanting to drive that car all the time now. It's a great uh, car for around town here, and I throw my bike rack on it, go mountain biking, skiing, et cetera. Do you have a favorite vacation spot, Patrick? <sighs> yeah, it's called uh, a staycation. I love being home. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds bad, but you know. I, I moved to Park City, Utah. People come here to vacation. I, you know, now you know we live here, and I love being home. You know, uh, my life, my rhythms, everything is set up here. Uh, so, not that I don't. I mean, I, I travel the world. Uh, so, I would say that you know, from a uh, for my wife and I, a big part of our lives is uh, adventure travel, where it's not necessarily a relaxation and you know soaking up sun and drinking margaritas. It's you know going to Egypt. You know, going to Bhutan, going to uh, you know Bangkok. Uh, you know, we we go to varying parts of the world where it's more of an adventure than it is you know sort of luxury. You know, we've been on, we go on safari. You know, those types of things. So, uh, so our rhythm is we. My wife and I do one adventure trip together, just the two of us every year, and then we do one adventure trip with the kids every year, and that's a part of what we put into our calendars. But I love being home because what I have around me here in Utah is exactly the stuff I love most. Yeah, and for our listeners, I'd recommend going to your website, patrickgentempo.com, taking a look at some of those pictures. It almost acts as sort of like a travel blog. Super cool stuff. Now, Patrick, do you have a favorite food? You know, um, I'm a food lover. I mean, looking at me, you wouldn't think so because I stay you know as fit as possible. But, uh, but you know, I, I you know I love sushi. You know, as a, as kind of a regular thing, I do cook quite a bit myself, um, and uh, so I'd say I, I love. 
you know, really innovative or finely prepared foods. And I don't, I don't have like uh, one particular, this is the only kind I like, you know, I, I really like a variety of foods, but as a regular diet, you know, something that makes me feel good. I think it's kind of healthy is, is like sushi, sashimi type stuff. Do you have a favorite book? Atlas Shrugged. It's an easy one for me to answer. I've read it probably 10 or 12 times. And it, it is, it is the book that got me started in my twenties, um, to understand the virtue of philosophy and its application in life. And, you know, from there, it really kind of started my journey. Do you have a favorite podcast? Wow, you know, there's so many of them. Uh, you know that uh, you know I, I'm loving the stuff that Tim Ferriss is putting out right now. Uh, My John, favorite right now, absolutely. Yeah, he, he's just crushing it. He really is. Uh, John Lee Dumas. You know, you, you mentioned earlier, Entrepreneur on Fire. Another great one. Yeah, it's a great one. Uh, now that I'm introduced to yours, I'm sure it's going to go to the top of my list. Um, so, <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, there's uh, so yeah most of the stuff that I like to listen to uh, are uh, stimulating conversations. I'm, I'm again I lead I love to lead an intellectual life and be a thinker. And I, I think a tragedy is that most people don't see themselves. They say, "Oh, I'm not an intellectual." Listen, I'm not a guy that you know uh, went to Ivy League schools that uh, you know would to graduate the top of my class at high school, etc. Every human being, especially if you're an entrepreneur, believe me, you are an intellectual, you are a thinker. And when you start to continue to stimulate your creativity and thinking, you're doing yourself in the world a favor. So I just like things that, that stimulate new thoughts and ideas in my mind. Do you love to win or hate to lose? And why? Um, I, I love to win. Um, and, uh, and I don't, I don't, think that losing is losing. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've gotten into ventures. I've lost millions of dollars, uh, you know, where I thought I was right and I was wrong. Um, it doesn't feel good, but, you know, we refer to that as tuition. You know, I, I think that you, uh, I, you know, I, I bought the book because I love the title, but, you know, I don't know that, um, you know, I never read the book, to be honest, but it's called Fail Forward. So I don't, you know, I think the only way you lose is if you give up. And, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't give up. So I think that, uh, you know, it, of course, winning and having something succeed and have something break through. I love that. You know, that, that, you know, you love that. Um, I don't, I don't have a, a, a hatred of things that don't work. Um, I think you have to embrace them you have to learn from them and then you have to vow never to make certain mistakes again. Millions intuition, Patrick. <laughs> millions, millions. <laughs> Let's boil this thing down. What is the one thing you want to share with our listeners about living a significant life and achieving success on their own terms? Well, you know, everybody defines for themselves. My, my number one core value is significance. Um, everybody's got different ones, you know, freedom, simplicity, you know, love, whatever it might be. I just know for myself that in order for me to feel fulfilled as a human being, that I have to do, I want to work and, and achieve significant things. And of course, everybody can decide you know, their own definition of what they consider to be significant. But in my mind, it's something that's going to, that literally is sort of a legacy type of a venture that will, you know, that will touch, you know, millions of people that will have an effect in the world that's very positive. Uh, and that, uh, you know, that I can feel, you know, or experience, you know, personally the significance of. I, when I'm doing, when I'm working on things that aren't very significant, I get bored very, very quickly. So I, I just observe my own behaviors and thinking and realize that significance is a core value for me, uh, whether it be, you know, my marriage, you know, which I want it to be, you know, a, a, you know, a legendary love affair, whether it be my parenting, whether it be my health and fitness, whether it be, you know, name any important category of your life. It's not just a matter of my entrepreneurial ventures. It's just my life in total. 
I, I want to experience it as something that's significant. And uh, so for, I think, entrepreneurs in general, to some degree, they, you know, that that's going to be in their core value set. Uh, you know, it might be at the top like it is for me, but it might be in there somewhere. And I think to, you know, to live a significant life, uh, you, you have to live an intellectual life, which means you have to, have an, you have to assess your life. You have to assess you know, your, you know, who you are, what you're doing, uh, what the impact is, you know, what you believe. And it's in essence from philosophy formula language. You have to assess what you believe, why you believe it, and then what you're going to do about it. Uh, so, so in my mind, I think that, uh, you know, to, to live a significant life, um, it, it's got to be an examined life. It's got to be an intellectual experience. Patrick, you're living an impressive and an inspiring life of significance. If people want to learn more, how can they connect with you? Probably the easiest way is just to go to uh, patrickgentempo.com. Um, and uh, if you want to look at my companies, you can go to actionpotentialholdings.com. Uh, my speaking schedules are up there. Uh, you, know, you can opt in if you want to ever get on my, my email list where I'm broadcasting things. Uh, uh, and I never send stump, something out for the sake of doing it. If either I have a, what I think is an important thought or, I don't, or you don't hear anything from me at all. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Patrick Gentempo, for taking some time to join me today on Bidzy Small Business Society. Truly appreciate it. You take care. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to Bidzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at Bidzy.com. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. Go to Bidzy.com for information and resources on how you can grow your business. Support Bidzy Small Business Society by writing a review and giving us a five-star rating in iTunes. Your positive review and five-star rating will allow us to continue bringing you free, valuable content from amazing and inspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Rate and review Bidzy Small Business Society today. 